Have you ever felt anxious? In certain situations, you may have a fear of the unknown and an unsettled feeling that bubbles up inside of you. Sometimes that feeling can be overwhelming and you may not know how to control it. It may feel like it's beginning to limit you. I'm Clint Malley and this is Real Common Treatable, where we help behavioral health professionals stay at the forefront of adolescent mental health, addiction, and substance use treatment. And in this episode, we're going to talk about school anxiety. We will define what school anxiety is, explain symptoms, and give you three ways to help someone cope with school anxiety, and give you five tools that you can teach to the adolescent and to their parents so that they can healthily manage the situation on their own. Our teacher today is Donna Bartlett, the community liaison at Amita Health for child and adolescent patients. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to hop in and learn, so let's go. As working with kids, refusing to go to school, having school anxiety, I was approached by Linden Oaks Hospital to do um, start a new program. It was a school liaison to help kids transition back to school. So we created that position about 12 years ago when I started at Linden, and there's now five people that are school liaisons at Linden Oaks. I was passionate about helping kids take control of their own life. And so for me, that meant staying in school because you can take things away from people all the time, but the one thing we can't take away is our education. That's something that's ingrained in us. And so that was something that was really important to me. I would say that what I do is try to help connect people to services that help them when they're in need. And so if they need something, I wanna to try to help support them in getting it so that they can be successful. I'm working with child and adolescents. Um, I'm able to obviously work with families because they, that's part of it. But now I'm able to again, work with different hospital programs, different private practices, different community agencies. I'm working with park district, police departments, governmental agencies, which is truancy. I'm doing some presentation with DuPage Regional Office of Education. I'm working with probation. So it's great. Like it's a mix of all the things I love to do. Wow. So it sounds like Donna works with so many different people and programs that help kids achieve the education that they're trying so hard to avoid. But what is school anxiety and why don't kids want to go to school? So anxiety in general is just a feeling of kind of worry, nervousness, or unease about the unknown, about an uncertain thing. And so for school anxiety, it's obviously that uneasiness, that scary feeling, that worry about being in the school setting. And so it can be for a variety of reasons, obviously. It can be because of academics. It can be because of fear of consequences. It can be because of the fear of teaching, teachers, adults. It can be fear of peers, your kind of counterparts. School anxiety is more about the fear of the unknown and it's about the future, right? So anxiety is more about future forecasting, whereas depression is more about like the past and kind of things that are happening. And so for school, like depression, I think kids that are depressed with school related things are depressed because of something that happened already at school. There's something that's already making them sad or or feeling isolated or lonely. Whereas anxiety is more about they're worried about something that's going to happen. It could be separation anxiety, it could be school anxiety, it could be anxiety because of an event that happened in their life, a divorce or a death. And there's a lot of different factors that are affecting them, but yeah, we're seeing it with younger and younger kids now. 
There are a variety of reasons an adolescent can form school anxiety. And it seems like kids are beginning to develop this anxiety younger and younger. So let's hear a little bit more about how this anxiety develops and why it's becoming more common. I think the main reasons are fear of failure, right? Or fear of being embarrassed in front of your peers or and or adults. And fear of failure like test taking, grades, the academic piece. And so it's different for some people focus more on the grades and they, they get really worried about that. And some people focus more on the appearances like, how do I look in front of my friends? Do I, am I dressed appropriately? Or do I look silly? Or do I sound silly? Do I know how to interact with people? My friends think I'm dumb. There's all different kind of variables. And so for school, I always say, like when I worked with kids directly, especially in like the truancy realm, is that this is the only time in your life that you will be stuck in this kind of building with 3,200 people, let's say, and forced to go from class to class um, for eight hours with no breaks, really. This is the only time in your life that you'll have to do it. It's not the norm. Like for us, if we're at work and we're feeling anxiety, we can leave our desk and go get a drink or we go out to lunch or whatever. In the school setting, a lot of times, they don't have the opportunity to do that. They have to ask permission to get out of their desk to get out of the classroom. They have lunch in that same group, in the, like with a lot of people that they know, don't know, don't like, in a cafeteria that has like hundreds of people in it. And so there's no kind of release from it. But this is like really like our school age time is the only time that we're forced to be in this setting for a certain amount of days. And so it's scary for some kids. So there's a lot of different factors that can play into it, but mainly it's the fear of the unknown which we all have obviously some form of anxiety, but it's when it impacts your daily life that that you need some help. And that means you're refusing to go to school or you're refusing to hang out with friends or you're isolating yourself even more by um, in your family situation, even like staying in your room. There's all different kind of signs and symptoms. Yeah, like kids don't really get a break socially anymore. Even when they get home, there is social media, so they can't really escape or get away from whatever is affecting them. So how does social media play a factor in anxiety? And what are some of the signs a kid might be developing school anxiety? I think social media has not been our friend. And so the younger they are hooked up with social media, the anxiety is... You're start, we're starting to see it younger and younger. So now we're seeing like in the elementary ages and, and not just because of social media, but it's definitely a huge proponent because people know things about you that they wouldn't have known before. You know what I mean? Like back in the day when we went to school, even if you had a fight with your friend, you went home and then it was over, right? Or whatever, just you two knew about it. Now it's like all over like schools, 300 miles away know about it because it was on social media. So you can't get away from it. So as a parent, I think some of the things that you'll start seeing with a with a kid who's starting to miss school is they'll have a lot of stomach aches or somatic things, stomach aches, headaches, all of a sudden, maybe like on a Sunday night, like all weekend they're fine, but like after a weekend or after a break, they'll start seeing some things, some kind of um, avoidance of school, more clinginess sometimes to the parents and not wanting to have them leave. Because a lot of times for kids that are struggling with school anxiety, they're not like for a truant, like when we were working with truants, they, they weren't like staying home a lot of times when they were truant. They were out in the community with their buds and stuff. They're doing stuff. A lot of kids now with school anxiety, they're at home. They're in their rooms. They're not even on devices. They're sleeping or they're 
just isolating. So I think just like seeing some warning signs, if they're starting to avoid things or isolate more, if they're starting to have more symptoms, especially after a break or after a weekend, for parents to be mindful of that. For teachers, if kids start missing or leaving class a lot, especially in their period, like during every math period, this kid has to go to the bathroom because he's overwhelmed with the work. Like just being a little bit more mindful of what's happening. If a kid starts, you saw a kid who is maybe a little bit more social is now less social, not kind of interacting, not um, participating at all. Now that we know some warning signs, how can we approach an adolescent about the anxieties that they're having? Those are all things I think just reaching out and connecting somehow with them. And I don't mean drawing attention to them in the class individually, because I think that's the biggest worry that a kid has is when they're not answering a question or whatever, and then they're called on, that increases their anxiety. And so I'm talking about maybe like having a conversation with them privately and trying to connect. So I don't know that anyone really overcomes anxiety. I think it's just how we manage it. And so managing anxiety is something that all of us do in our lives. And so for school, every day is an unknown thing for these kids. And so there's different strategies and skills that as far as even as little as kind of taking deep breaths, right? And, or distracting yourself. Like different things that we all do that we don't even recognize that we do, listening to music before a test or something, or when you're doing homework to help ease that, are all things that kind of help manage the anxiety. There is a fine line here. Something in school is creating anxiety. So even talking to the adolescent about school can create a more stressful situation. Let's hear about what parents can do if a professional is needed in this situation and ways that we can manage the anxiety. And I think it's different like for parents, like the difference like for me is with parents, kids sometimes don't like to talk about more than they have to. And sometimes talk about things, and I'm a parent, I know, I do it, like in my own life. Like you talk about things more with your kids than you need to. And so they don't feel like you're listening, they don't feel like you're hearing them, or they don't feel like you understand. I think when they're talking to someone, sometimes a social worker at school, counselor at school, their they're practice, like if they're in a program with us, like you find that kids really do open up and they do talk about what the fears are, but when they're talking to their parents, they're not gonna do that for the most part. I, I think they will eventually, but like for the most part, they already feel embarrassed, ashamed. And so talking to someone like your parent who knows you so well is more difficult than talking to a stranger or someone that you don't feel as worried about like judgment from. And it's different, obviously, for the younger kids will talk more to their parents, obviously. They're going to talk about every fear that they have. But when you get into middle and high school, that's when that kind of shuts down and that changes a little bit. And I think then they also hear like disappointment that may not be there. They hear like expectations like we want you to get good grades because that was always kind of what was said or inferred before. And so even if parents are saying now, we just want you to go to school, we don't care if you get an A or a B, they, they already heard it from when they were young. So then they can't shake that. Now we're going to dive into three ways that you can help an adolescent manage their anxiety. And number one is to pinpoint the cause of that anxiety. You try to find out what is the fear of school? What's their biggest concern about school? Is it the grades? Is it the people? Is it the teachers? Is it the building? You know what I mean? The size of it, the rooms, all that stuff. Once you figure out what is causing them the anxiety, 
then you can move on to step number two, which is the what if technique. And so then when you are able to do that, you talk it through with them and ask what if, like the what if situation, right? What's the worst situation that can happen if you fail a test, what's gonna happen? And knowing obviously the expectations from parents sometimes, and sometimes that's not even the issue. It's really the expectations they have for themselves. That's the biggest struggle. But just trying to normalize some of the things and listen to them and able, like being able to process the fear, but then also, okay, what can we do to help support you in this? Now you've figured out the cause of the anxiety and you have used the what if technique to talk it through about how an adolescent thinks that they will be affected. So it's time for number three, which is teaching them coping skills. And some of it is like diff different coping skills, distract yourself or um, do some breathing exercises, do some mindfulness activities that will help them manage that day. With parents, we try to tell them to talk less about school because the more you talk about it with the kids, like you prepare them or you ask them, what's wrong? What are you worried about? Then that becomes a bigger thing for them. And so like just allowing them to breathe and not bringing so much focus and attention on the grades, the, the work, the peers, the activities, because sometimes that's huge in their head. And so then parents are just making it more difficult for them to process. And that's our biggest thing, because you want our kids to feel better. You want the kids to know that you care, but then being a teenager, it's not, that's not how they want to process things with their parents. When I was a truant officer, like one of the best memories I have, or the, the best kind of situations I had, I worked with a family for a long time, many years. I started working with the kid when he was in sixth grade. I did home visits, because when, when we were truancy, like we did home visits, I actually drove the kid to school a couple of times, because back then we were doing that. We would never do that today. And so he ended up eventually going to court, and he was in the court system for probably I had him on court supervision for two years. So even into high school, I followed him because it was my territory all the way through. And then he started going to school. He didn't want to, because he, because every rule that we set up, I followed through on. So when he went to court and then he refused to go to school, I would file a contempt citation against him. And so then he ended up going to the detention center for a weekend. And then he ended up going to the detention center for a month of weekends and then something clicked and he was just like, I'm sick of her and I don't want to keep doing this. You know what I mean? So then he, it was funny cause then he, he was going and so then his court supervision ended and I didn't see him. But then I was in like the neighborhood at a local restaurant and I was ordering something and this woman says to me, aren't you Donna? And I was like, yeah. And she's, thank you so much. My kid is in college now because of you making him go to school. And I was like, I didn't make him go to school. Like I just followed, I just followed him and I was passionate about it. But it was just funny because she was like, it was years after, because he was in college already. And so it was just kind of, I guess sometimes they don't like me, but I'm still passionate about them succeeding. So it was nice. Cause not only did he finish high school, he was in college and mom was like really appreciative. Which I'm sure mom didn't like me then either, because we were in court. And so that was that's never fun for the parents either. But I think it's just sometimes that tenacity of and I think my passion for, again, like my passion for really wanting um, kids to be successful in their own right was nice because it, it happened the way it should be. And for me, it wasn't about the punishment. It was more about him understanding that there's consequences for your actions and that there are some rules that you have to follow. So it wasn't really him not going to school that put him in the detention center. It was him neglecting to follow the rules of the court. The best stories are always the ones when they come into treatment and 
the biggest fear that they have is school, right? Obviously they're in an anxiety program and they're in a school refusal program for not going to school. And then when you talk to them, it's all about everyone hates me. The teachers don't understand me. Every single class is horrible. And then you start breaking it down. And then when I would do a transition meeting, and I can think of several that I've done, that you do a transition meeting and you help the school understand where the kid's coming from and you advocate for them. This The kid feels like we're part of a team and they feel like, hey, you're listening to me and it's not all bad. And so then they're able to overcome some of the anxiety and go to school. Not like they love it. Like I work with someone in private practice. She's a senior in high school and she hates school, hates it. And so every day, like when I see her and I see her twice a week now, it's just kind of like, how'd it go? How'd it go this week? How'd it go today? How'd it go this morning when you woke up? We break it all down. And every day consistently said she does not like school. Is she going to college? Yes, she says she's going to college. She just doesn't like being told to go to school by her parents, by her family, by me, by anyone. And so it's just, it's funny because I'm just like, okay, how many more days do we have left? Let's push through this. Now that we've seen a little bit more about how kids can manage these things, let's get into five things as a professional that you can suggest to parents so that they can help manage the anxiety and not to allow it to get worse. Number one is to make connections with your kid's school. And I would say one, make a connection with the school. And so if it is with the school counselor, with the school social worker, with the teacher, depending on the age, the parent should make some kind of connection with the school to help, help kind of hold hands with each other to help this kid get through it. Because they're not gonna be able to do it on their own. If they don't have any kind of connection at all with the school, it's gonna be difficult for them to talk to their kid about it. And then sometimes it's obviously asking them to talk to their kid about it. Number two is to find the appropriate coping skills that work for your kid. There are opportunities for you to use coping skills in the classroom. Here's what it can look like. You can have a fidget in the classroom. Having a fidget that is appropriate. And so it could be like if you're wearing a hoodie, it could have just like a stress ball. It could be a coin. It could be a fidget ring that you just turn. It could be a bracelet. There's all different things that could be used as a fidget that are appropriate. And so we talk about what's appropriate depending on the age, depending on kind of what class or what classes they're in. But then also talking about, okay, what, what are things that help you? Some different grounding techniques. It could be like having on their um, planner a picture of their dog or a picture of their cat or a picture of their parents or something. So having something that is easy for them, but not noticeable to everyone else. Number three is to define what taking a break looks like. And then talking about if they need to take a break, how does that look? How can you get out of the classroom without ever drawing more attention to yourself? So it could be like, hey, can I have a bathroom pass? And depending again on the class, having that connection with the teacher so that it's not asking more questions, but also not enabling them to ditch class and not do anything. It's really about using the time to take a break, go, get, go take a walk, breathe, get a drink of water, come back and be able to focus again in class. If that's not enough, going to see the school nurse or the counselor, talking to them, using some strategies, coloring, crossword puzzles, whatever it is for five to 10 minutes, and then being able to go back to class. And so it's just trying to do different breaks in your day or use different strategies to help in that 50 minute time slot, let's say for a class period, to be able to manage it and not just look at the clock and be like thinking it's never ending. Like breaking that up into smaller portions seems to help. 
Number four is to activate the five senses to help distract from anxiety stress. A lot of times we'll talk about even just having them have like a self-soothe kit. And so sometimes, especially for school, it's like a pencil case. You just put a couple things like kids would use silly putty. Play-Doh is always a tricky thing because of how it dries up and stuff. So we don't typically say that. And, and it's different things can be like to activate the five senses. And so sight, smell, touch hearing, taste. And so sometimes things that would be in there would be like a chapstick or something, because that's like something that everyone uses, but it could be peppermint scented or something. And then, so they get the smell and the sensation. It could be lotion so that they're, you know what I mean? Doing that, it could be like a Jolly Rancher or something to shock the senses. And so different things like that are just, again, different ways to help distract or ground them. It is definitely different nowadays for kids. There are so many factors in a school day that can affect them. And sometimes it's more about just listening to them and helping them find ways to cope than about telling them what to do. So let's hear about some of the common misconceptions about school anxiety. So sometimes kids just need to vent. It doesn't mean that we need to solve things for them or whatever. They just need somewhere to be able to talk about the different kind of struggles, because when we, I think, minimize the expectation or minimize the issues that kids are encountering at school, then they feel like they're not heard and then it becomes a bigger issue. There's so many different things that are happening in a school building every single day that you don't wanna scare the kids into going or not going, but you also wanna be there just to listen and not to always maybe put judgment or scolding or yelling and trying to forcing them to do things. It's, it's a, more about a partnership now. And that's, I think what we're all trying to do is become more community involved to help our kids be successful because that's our goal. But what if, and hear me out on this, what if the parent has anxiety too? You see the anxiety, like sometimes when you're working with parents, like when kids have anxiety or you're working with someone who has anxiety, um, you'll meet with the parents and you're like, oh yeah. Like I totally get it because they're anxious too. And, and, and it's and it's hard because they don't know that they're anxious sometimes, but sometimes you're like, you're feeding into the anxiety because you're so anxious about them being successful or about them being okay. That's all see is the anxiety and they're not reading it the same way, you know, that, that we can read it as an adult, but a kid's not reading it the same way. And so it's just difficult. As we become more aware of and recognize school anxiety and other common conditions, more and more specialized schools are opening and are designed for different ways of learning. We see way more opportunities in schools for different types of learning now. And there's schools that open up that are, are doing different types of learning. And it's, people are recognizing it. It's just sometimes difficult. Because again, like some of our schools have 3,500 kids in them. You know, and so to feel individual in a building that big, it's, it's hard. I am happy to refer people to private practices, to outside treatment, to programs that we have, groups, whatever. I'm, I'm happy to help support them in any way possible to try to just, again, achieve some success. Listen, y'all, this school anxiety thing, it is real, but it is also more common than we think. And thankfully, with the help and support of professionals like you, it's also treatable. So let's get out there and empower somebody today. All of my love, and I will see you on the next episode.